You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, let's get it. Locked On LSU, your team every day. Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, CST, right here for the Locked On LSU Podcast. We will let you hear from Ed Ogeron as the Tigers are into the offseason. Some interesting thoughts about roster management and transfers, but the baseball Tigers, their run in Hoover was short-lived as LSU loses in the single elimination round 4-1 to against the Bulldogs. Where does this leave the Tigers for their NCAA bid? We'll get to that in a moment. Let's start, though, with the game itself. Here was Paul Maneri on the loss to Georgia. It's a tough loss for us, and, uh, you know, I give a lot of credit to Georgia, especially their pitching. You know, they ran three really good left-handers out there against us today, and obviously we couldn't do much with them. You know, we had an opportunity in the first inning there, bases loaded, nobody out, and we were only able to get one one run out of it, and that really was kind of the story of the game. We had a couple opportunities later in the ball game, and couldn't capitalize on those. I think a lot of that had to do with the quality of the pitching that they were throwing against us but really the story of the game was you know they turned a double play on us and we, we had the you know the double play to end the inning and unfortunately we just couldn't complete it and they ended and ended up hitting the bases loaded double after uh, after we we didn't complete the double play and then we just we just couldn't muster a comeback we tried but just couldn't couldn't finish the rally so it's very disappointing, obviously. You know, Paul Maneri alluded to a lot there. First, uh, Landon Marceau was spectacular. Complete game. Um, eight innings, just 97 pitches. He struck out nine, allowed the four runs on nine hits, but the four runs all came in the first inning. And, of course, the uh, not finishing the double play that Paul Maneri alluded to there was um, uh, Collier Cranford, who was inserted there at second base, and uh, you can't assume the double play, obviously, so he wasn't charged with an error, but uh, he couldn't turn the double play on an errant throw to uh, to Trey Morgan at first base, and that would have gotten LSU out of the inning in the first without allowing a run. Instead, a run scored, and then Landon Marceau did allow the bases clearing double to the next hitter, which is how Georgia put up the four spot in the first. Um I, there's a lot of people that are going to pick on Collier Cranford today, and certainly it, that was a, a an unfortunate play that that he couldn't make, especially a guy who was in there sort of for a, a defensive purpose. That, that's kind of the domino effect that you have when Dio, Gio DiGiacomo is out. So Drew Bianco moved to center, and they put Cranford in at second and DH'd Zach Arnold because Palmineri wanted right-handed bats in the lineup. The other option would have been you leave Bianco at second, you move Dylan Cruz to center, you DH Arnold, and you put either Brody Drost or, um, or Mitchell Sanford in, in right field, but you certainly sacrifice some defense there, and you have a left-handed bat in the lineup, but at least those guys give you something offensively, which Cranford, who's hitting 111, doesn't give you. And, of course, he had two really uh, unfortunate at-bats as well. In the fourth inning, LSU uh, got two on. Bianco singled, and then Thompson singled. So first and second, nobody out. Cranford couldn't get the bunt down and then strikes out. And then Alex Malazzo struck out swinging an end of the inning on a strike him out, throw him out. And that's on Paul Maneri because why in the world, with one out and a two-strike count, you have a hit and run on with Drew Bianco trying to steal third and Alex Malazzo, a kid in 155 at the plate, there's a better chance than not that he's going to strike out in that situation. 
and he didn't get the ball, didn't put the ball in play, and so your your threat ended. That's, it, of course, Cranford didn't execute the bunt, and Malazzo struck out, but that's as much on Maneri there for not having that awareness with a 3-2 count, and Bianco uh, at third, or at second, and a 155 hitter at the plate trying to steal that bag. Now, you also had an opportunity the eighth inning where Morgan led off with a walk, Cruz singled, then Duga fouled out, but Doty got hit by a pitch on one that bounced in the in the dirt and hit him in the backside. But you had the bases loaded and one out, and Zach Arnold put up a fight. He had a 10-pitch at bat and struck out, and then Drew Bianco struck out as well to end the threat. Um, and a lot of people have said, how can these LSU guys not hit a 94-mile-an-hour fastball when it's all the kid throws? That's a great question, but I'll also point out to you the fact that you know Harris from Georgia has 64 strikeouts and 30. Two innings pitch, something along those lines. I don't have it right in front of me, but you're talking about a guy that averages two strikeouts per innings pitched. I mean, he struck out a lot of college hitters. You know, when you're bringing 94 from the left side, it's got some movement on it, some life on it. Clearly, you know, he was able to, to get a lot of hitters to, to sit down this year, and he did in a big spot for Georgia. So, really unfortunate that LSU couldn't come through. If you want the, the positive, the bright side, it's that they will certainly be rested uh, if they are in a regional bid, which is what I want to talk about when we come back. So where does this loss leave LSU, and what do we collectively need to be looking for? I'll talk about that here in uh, in just a quick second. Been telling you this week about Lucy. Uh, Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. So, researched and developed for three years, made for people, not for patients. Lucy's created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors. Wintergreen, cinnamon, pomegranate. It also has a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in cherry ice, citrus, or mint. They are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy right now. It's convenient discreet products can be enjoyed anywhere on flights at work at the gym on the go if you or someone you know has tried and failed time and again to kick the nicotine habit this is your shot it's 2021 get rid of the cigarettes unplug your vape throw out the dip get some lucy nicotine gum or lozenges and we're helping you do it here on the locked on college network if you go to lucy.co, that's L-U-C-Y, lucy.co, and use the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, you'll get 20% off all products on your first order, including the gum and lozenges. So again, lucy.co, use the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE at checkout. Now, I have to read this, and i got to give this disclaimer. Warning, the product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co, be sure to use the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. And of course, a snack that we all can agree is fantastic is Built Bar. Been a great sponsor here on the Locked On Podcast Network for a long time now. BuiltBar.com, the best tasting protein bar in the world. I tell you every day, high protein, high fiber, low calorie, low sugar, gluten-free, perfect for keto. It's almost too good to be true, except it's not. It's the best tasting protein bar that you will ever shove into your face. It's healthy. It's a great meal replacement. Don't skip breakfast. Grab a Built Bar. You need that protein after a workout? Grab a Built Bar. You need that midday snack? Bypass the vending machine. Grab a Built Bar. And we're helping you save. Go to BuiltBar.com. 
BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first, first order. Again, use the code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So the Tigers bow out early in Hoover. Where does that leave them with respect to an NCAA at-large bid? Here was Paul Maneri's thoughts. I don't have a vote, um, but, you know, I hope so. If you're asking me, do I think we're one of the best 64 teams in the country, I certainly feel that way. And we're tied for eighth place in the SEC. You know, we lost this, this game, obviously. I hope the whole, you know, selection doesn't come down to how you did in one game against an opponent. Uh, our, I think our RPI speaks for itself. We've played, you know, arguably, you know, the toughest or one of the top two or three toughest schedules in the country. We've, we've, you know, we've done a lot of good things, and I would hope that that we get invited, you know, to the big dance. But I don't get a vote, so we're just going to be at the mercy of the selection committee, and we'll hope so. I, I believe we did, but I, like I said, I don't know. So Paul Maneri there making the case, and his team has a strong case. Um, all of the projections heading into conference tournament had LSU in. If it was Baseball America or USA Today or D1 Baseball, we let you hear from Kendall Rogers, who essentially assumed that LSU with a series win at 13 would be in, 14 would be a lock, but they're there. They're at 13. Um, LSU's RPI fell three spots after the loss to Georgia, so they're at 24. RPI at 24 should be plenty good enough. Think you know Louisiana Tech is considered a lock. Their RPI is 30, and their strength of schedule is 55. LSU's RPI is 24, and their strength of schedule is 3. Now, the Tigers have nine quad one wins, and they have played 24 quad one games. The committee also considers road wins. LSU 10 and 7 away from the box this year. So when you're looking at all checking all of these boxes, RPI check, strength of schedule check, quad one wins check, road record check, it's all there for LSU to be in the field. I think that Alabama by virtue of their win over South Carolina and Georgia by virtue of their win over LSU have likely also put themselves in the field. For consideration, Bama has now their, that win yesterday over South Carolina gave Alabama their 13th conference win. So they have the same amount of SEC wins now as LSU. LSU has a series win over Alabama. Bama's 35 in the RPI, and their strength of schedule is six. Let's look at Georgia. Georgia, 13 and 17 in the SEC. The win over LSU gave them their 14th win. But their RPI is just 41, and their strength of schedule is 11. 10 road wins, 8 quad 1 wins. Bama just 7 quad 1 wins, and 10 road wins as well. So each of uh, those three teams have the same number of road wins. LSU is the most quad 1 wins, the highest RPI, the highest strength of schedule. It really will come down to if the committee will consider all of that or if they will just consider all those teams equal, and then the SEC tournament being the decision maker, the tiebreaker. The other thing that I would tell you to keep an eye on this week are the potential for bid stealers. There are a handful of leagues that are going to be single bid leagues. No matter what, the SWAC is only getting one team in. The MEAC is only getting one team in. Whoever wins their championship, that's the team that's getting in 
to regional play. There are other leagues where I think it's important to consider what happens in their tournament where you know in Conference USA, Southern Miss and Tulane and East Carolina, they're going to be in the field. You just need one of those teams to win that conference championship so you don't have a someone else steal a bid at, with their automatic bid. That That's what could m- maybe work against LSU. Something else to consider, the Big Ten played a conference-only schedule this year. Nebraska won the Big Ten, and they do not have a conference tournament. So bubble teams like Ohio State and Indiana, maybe Iowa, it'll be interesting to see if they actually get bids without the opportunity to play in a conference tournament. So all of those things are going to factor into this decision. LSU is very much a bubble team. I don't even think that's debatable at this point. But their resume stacks up against the other bubble teams to be rock solid. So here's hoping LSU does get in the field. Some have said, Matt, why would you even want LSU in? They're not going to make a run. I don't care. That's irrelevant to me. I want to see LSU play postseason baseball. The postseason in June is more fun when LSU's there. And baseball is a crazy game. It's why I love baseball because Fresno State can literally be the last team in the field and win a national championship. Auburn can be 14 and 16 in the SEC, get hot and make it all the way to Omaha. Mississippi State, like they were in 2018, 15 and 15, average SEC team, gets hot, makes it all the way to the College World Series championship series. I'm not saying this LSU team is that, but could I lay out a scenario where Landon Marceau wins game one, you go into the winner's bracket, Mikhail Hilliard spins like he did against Arkansas, giving you seven and a third, and you win a winner's bracket game, and then someone has to come back and beat you twice, and you manage to split, and you win one and move on to Super Regional, absolutely I could make that case. I could see it happening. I think LSU will be in the field. Losing that game against Georgia, though, means they probably will get a less favorable draw, but we will know for certain on Monday. So we all watch and wait, and we pull for the chalk. Uh, Speaking of the chalk, it's always more fun when you're watching sports if you got a little action on the game. And of course, betonline.ag is the online sports book that I've used for more than a decade now. I could not recommend highly enough. Safe, secure, fun, easy to use. NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs every night. Got Major League Baseball in full swing. If you want to wager on all your favorite sporting events, do it at betonline.ag. Betonline.ag, desktop or mobile, free to sign up. And when you make your first deposit of funds, they always get you that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So use the code locked on. When you go to make your first deposit, use the code locked on, one word, and they will give you a 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Ed Ogeron was a, a guest on Off the Bench 
as he is on Tuesdays. And um, he went through some personnel today, including LSU's transfers, uh, Mike Jones and Major Burns, at linebacker and at safety, two positions of real desperate need this year. And I was really impressed with the transfers. Mike Jones and Major Burns, man, well, like two, two good gets right there. I'm so glad, you know, Major Burns is from Baton Rouge. I'm so glad that we could get him back home. His mama and him were happy. We had a nice conversation. And uh, I think he's going to be a, a great addition to our football team. So is Mike Jones. So we've talked a good bit about both of those guys. Uh, Jones, some have projected as a first-round draft pick. A three-down linebacker who can cover, but also wants to prove he can play inside. It's a good opportunity to do it. It bolsters a spot where you weren't very good last year, and you know you're going to have Micah Baskerville, provided he gets all of his academic situation in order, which we assume he will. Bug Strong, who you brought in, sort of a throwback thumper. And then you've still got Damone Clark as well, who's another athletic linebacker who could play more on the edge. You kind of got lost in the wash last year playing inside. And then at safety, there's just no other way to say it. You were really bad at that position a year ago. And when you get Todd Harris back and you hope that he's healthy enough to to play, Jordan Tolles played for you last year, but again, not a ton. You're moving, you're, you're doing some position shifting there with Jay Ward going from corner to safety. But adding Major Burns is a guy that's got SEC experience at that safety position. So the thing about how LSU has used the transfer portal, which is a bit of a risk, is when you take a transfer, it does take one of your initial 25 spots. Had LSU not filled those spots, then you could use that and backfill. Next year, someone asked me, how is Nick Saban able to sign 26, 27 guys, whatever it may be? Um, It's because if you don't sign a full 25, you can backfill those spots in the next year's class. So the, the risk of using those spots for transfers if they don't hit is like last year with Darren Evans. Darren Evans was a cornerback from Nichols. You felt like you maybe needed some some cornerback depth. You award one of those spots to Darren Evans, who counts against your initial 25, and he just really never transitioned. So you, in many ways, wasted a spot on a one-year guy who gave you nothing. Had you not given that scholarship to Darren Evans, you could have signed 26 this year. You could have backfilled. So that's the risk when you take a transfer. Now, Major Burns just played one season. It was in the COVID year, so he's still got four years if he wants to use them. Mike Jones is a bit of a risk because it's a one-year guy. So that's a it's an initial 25 on a one-year guy. But how you manage your roster matters. Now, the bigger question is going to be when you start looking forward to, to the, the, regu- the regular signing period in December and February because coaches are going to have to start thinking, okay, do I need, because transfers can be immediately eligible now, Do I need to save a spot or two spots in each class for the potential of a transfer? So instead of thinking sign 25 incoming freshmen, do I sign 23 or 24 to save a spot or two for the transfer portal? That will be interesting to see how that goes. But these players are now on campus, as the the team reported uh, over the weekend, and LSU's got their guys on campus to start going through conditioning. Uh, Ogeron also talked about, uh, speaking of, can you play four, please? This was him talking about the transfer portal and how they're using it. 
we do roster management every day. And we look at our roster. We look at the needs of what we need. We have a great personnel department. So Derek Wanansky and I and Austin sit down and we look at our roster and say, okay, if this happens, this is what we're going to need. Now, when we do this, our personnel goes and find the guys that are going to be available. We follow the transfer portal and we look at it and we have a list of one, two, three guys at each position, just like the NFL would do with free agency or uh, stuff like that. And so we, as soon as, as soon as we need something, we go look at that list and we go get them. Thank goodness Austin Thomas is back because that's something this program didn't do before Austin Thomas returned. Just call it what it is. I mean, you ended up in a situation in 2018 where, look, I mean, you came up aces with Joe Burrow, but you were in that position because you didn't sign a quarterback. You went out and got Cole Tracy because you didn't have a kicker. You know, remember you also signed Terrence Alexander that year. You know, you, you went through that signing class period and you were in that spot because you kind of fumbled the situation, the recruiting. Um, with Patrick Sertain. So, I mean, look at, you have the championship year and you didn't manage the roster with enough foresight to know that all of those underclassmen were going to leave because you had this dynamic junior class. I'm going to tell you, you're looking at the same thing a year from now with Kayshawn Booty and Elias Ricks and Jaqueline Roy and Max Johnson, all those amazing freshmen that we just saw play this last year. You know, next season, they're all juniors, and you're going to get decimated again by underclassmen leaving early for the draft because they're that, that talented. So thank God you got Austin Thomas back because that's a guy who is going to manage the roster as the general manager. He's going to be that guy to manage the roster and help through those things to make sure you don't end up in that situation again where you're relying on transfers to, to save you because you get you got gutted through the draft or, or other transfers. Um. One more from Ed Ogeron uh, earlier today. He did talk about the depth on this year's team. I walked in the meeting room and it was full. I went, wow, I mean, that looked good. I mean, we, we've got a nice big squad. we got long lines and stretching. But, you know, it looked good. we deep. Uh, we got uh, three or four strings on both lines. We look deep. And we, I'm looking at the linebacker group. we got more linebackers, inside linebackers, than we ever had. To see those guys and see all the freshmen. I mean, this is a great freshman group. And to see them all together. And as you you guys know, Jake and T-Bob, the guys that were mid-year, I think I think of them as veteran already. But they're yeah. in this class. If you put all them together, we have a strong team. Ed Ogeron again earlier, taking off the bench. If you want to listen to the entire interview, you can go to on demand at 1045ESPN.com. But um, I, would th- I would say you have depth, certainly, on the defensive line. Uh, you have depth at receiver. You have numbers on the offensive line. But there's a difference between having depth and having quality depth. I think we could all agree on that. And that's one big concern with the offensive line, where your first five didn't play particularly well last year, and none of the guys behind them were able to beat him out. How many of those guys can step up this year? That's going to be a really big question. And I would say the same thing about positions like safety and running back, where you have bodies, you have talented players, but who's going to emerge? I think those are the questions that are ultimately going to define 2021 LSU season, is if those guys can can progress from last year to this year, then this team could could be a new year sixteen. If they don't, you know, then you could be looking at you know, an eight and four type season. So it's going to be really interesting to watch this offseason. As they they train, they get in shape to see what leaders emerge on a team coming off a season that was disappointing, but you have a very talented roster, how you build that into a, a successful championship program again. Uh, they're underway. Right now, going through the off-season workouts. All right, that's going to do it for us here 
on the Locked on LSU podcast. Remember LeBron James and the Lakers, they get even against the Suns. You can recap that and get more of the sports news you need in less time. With the Locked on Today podcast, follow the Locked on Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Please subscribe. Until then, next time, it is Locked on LSU, your team every day.